Amen. What a joy to worship. What a privilege to be together. Thank you for your faithfulness as well to the church through so much that's happened through power outages and internet outages and wildfires. And should I keep making the list of things? It's been quite a season, but it's so good to be together. And we're going to do what we always do around here. I'm going to invite you to open your Bible with me. Please pull out your Bible. And uh, you can pull that Bible out and open it to the book of Ephesians. Now, next Sunday, when you come back here, we will be back in our study in Luke. So we'll get back to the study in Luke. But today, what we're going to do this morning, very special morning that I talked about at the beginning of the service, we're actually going to do sort of the fourth and final message in this series that we've been in in our church over the last few weeks on this amazing mission statement that we've had that's kind of guided us over all these years as a church, that we are building a community of Christ for the world. And one of the, one of the purposes for taking some time with this, there's several purposes. One is that as we sort of head into 2021, I am longing for our entire church family to embrace this mission statement. It is so powerful. It's so clear. It's so compelling. I would love it if by the end of all this, if someone were to ask you, hey, what is, what is your church about? What makes River West Church tick? Someone corners you and says, tell me about the heart of your church. You can say, well, here's one thing I know for sure. We're building a community of Christ for the world. That's what we're doing. And we're doing it together. It's not just something that, that the paid staff are doing. It's something the whole church family is about. And so if you were with us week one, we, we looked at the center. We talked about what does it mean to be Christ-centered as a church? And then in week two, we spent some time on that word community. And when we talk about Christ-centered community, community where Jesus lives among us, what does that community look like? And how do we, how do we treat one another in order to cultivate that kind of community? And then last Sunday, Pastor Christopher talked about the for the world piece and just talked about what does it mean to be a church whose heart is always for the world, taking the hope and the light and the glory of Jesus out there to impact and, and heal and bring blessing to a, a broken and fallen world. And so this morning, what we're going to do, we come to sort of a final word that I want to share with you. And I, here's what I've titled my sermon, all right? I actually think you should write this down. I've titled the sermon, Christ's Gracious Gift to Help Us Build. Christ's Gracious Gift to Help Us Build. And we learn about that gift in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'd like you to turn there with me. Ephesians 4, this will be a familiar text to many of you, verses 7 through 12. I'm going to read it. Will you read along with me on the printed page? Here's what Paul said, starting in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men and women. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, 
the shepherds, and that word could also be translated the pastors. That's the Greek word poimen, which means to shepherd. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. And now look at this. For building up the body of Christ. You see that? Does that sound familiar? That's basically our mission statement. Building up the body of Christ. See, our mission statement is not something inventive, creative. that We, we literally stole it from the Bible, okay? We plagiarized the Holy Spirit with our mission statement. It's not something we created. It comes right out of the Scriptures. And what I want you to see this morning, I want you to just look at the passage that I just read to you because there is a thread that weaves through this passage, a theme that you may have noticed that sort of holds the whole passage together. And that theme is the theme of leadership in the church. Leadership. So first and foremost, we see Paul is going out of his way to depict Jesus Christ himself as the ultimate sovereign leader of the church. You see that? There's just image after image of Christ as sovereign Lord and leader. He is the ascended Christ crucified, risen Savior who has ascended. He's the victorious Christ, leading a train of captives as he returns back to his heavenly throne. He's the highly exalted Christ, exalted above all things in the universe to the highest heavens. He is the Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Paul later goes on and talks about the headship of Christ, this image of the body, the church family being like a body with Jesus Christ as our head, our leader. But also, did you notice, this passage is about the gift of leadership to the church. Isn't that interesting? So we have Christ who's the sovereign leader of the church, but He's not only sovereign leader and Lord, he's sovereign gift giver. He's giving gifts over and over the repetition of the word he gave, he gave gracious gifts over and over. He leads a train of captives. It's that image that we saw several weeks ago in Luke of a king who's victorious, returning back to his home city with his captives coming in behind him and he gives out all of these generous riches. And in the New Testament, Paul takes that imagery and he uses it to describe Christ's gift of spiritual gifts to his church family. But then, notice, look at verse 11, which I'll put on the screen. When Paul gets to the list of gifts in this passage, isn't it interesting? Those gifts are leaders. It's a list of spiritual leadership gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, there are other lists like this in the New Testament. You can go to places in Romans and in the, in the books of the, the Corinthians, and you'll find other lists that have the, list, the gifts of hospitality and, and faith and all kinds of other spiritual gifts. But when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he talks about building 
up the body of Christ and what is required. At that moment, when Paul gives a list of spiritual gifts, he recognizes the need to focus on Christ's gift of leadership to the church. This is, this is not an accident. This is very significant. And it tells me several things. Number one, leadership matters to Jesus. In fact, I'm probably not saying it strong enough. Leadership in the church is critical for the mission of Jesus. If, if Jesus knew and decided, I need to give to my church gifts of leadership, we can conclude it's absolutely critical. We cannot accomplish our mission, building a community of Christ for the world, without this precious, generous gift that Jesus gives. It's critical. But secondly, leaders in the church, true leaders in the church, will always fall under the authority of King Jesus. Always. If they don't, they're not good leaders. They're not true leaders. Because we just learned Christ is the sovereign leader. We, around here at River West, we call Jesus the senior pastor of River West Church. <laughs> He's the senior pastor. Or as Peter calls him, the chief shepherd who will one day return. Jesus is the senior pastor. And the rest of us on the team, we're just under shepherds. We're just under shepherds. And finally, and this is where I'm headed this morning, and this is what I'm, I'm so excited to share with you. If all of this is true, if Jesus is the sovereign leader, but if he has given leadership gifts to the church, do you know what that means, my friends? That means that the church should always look to the word of Christ for guidance on how to structure leadership in our congregation. This is where we should go. And the reason I'm driving toward this is because what we're here to do this morning is to share with you about a process that we've been on over the past several years as a leadership team doing that very thing. So we've taken about two years together to go to the scriptures and look deeply at what they say about leadership. Why would we do that? Because we believe Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of the church. We believe he... Leadership is critical, it has to be done rightly, and we believe there's ample biblical evidence to help us understand how should we structure leadership in our church. And so let me give you a little bit of history this morning. About three years ago today, at the very first elder meeting in my tenure as lead pastor, I sat in the room with the elders, and as we were praying and thinking about the future, we decided we want to take some time together as a team and we want to go deep on some really important topics, theological topics, cultural topics. One of the things I love about the elders of River West Church is they have an insatiable desire to learn and grow, this humility to constantly be sharpened. I love it. And we sat in that room and we decided we're going we're gonna to tackle some really important topics together. So we decided we're gonna tackle and study the scriptures and become more, more uh, uh, sharp on our understanding of issues around human sexuality and marriage. And we spent some time on that. 
And then we tackled the topic of gender and, and in the scriptures and, and what's happening in our culture. And then we tackled the topic of marriage and divorce and remarriage. And then eventually, we came to the topic of men and women in ministry. Men and women in leadership in the church. And here's what happened. When we got to that biblical theme, we realized some things together. Number one, we realized this topic is so incredibly important. So important. So many people in our church care deeply about this topic. The scriptures have so much to say about this topic. Our culture has a lot to say. It's a very hot topic in our culture. Do I need to convince you on that or can I just let that stand? It's a very hot topic in our culture, right? People care about it. And we realize this is going to take some time. This is deep. This is complex. And so we spent a lot of time. Some people would maybe say it was too much time, but we, we took the time we felt we needed. And one of the things that we realized was that we as a church had had haziness around this topic. Haziness that was a cause of some frustration for people in our church. We had an assumed position. We had an inherited position with practices, but what we did not have is an articulated position. And we knew we needed that. We knew we needed that. We wanted to be clear, as clear as we could be. And so after many years of prayer and seeking the scriptures, we came to a position statement. And I'm excited this morning to share that position statement with you. And so that's why I told you at the beginning of the service, I'm not going to do this alone. Several of our elders are here. I'm going to share a couple things, and then I'm going to invite one of our elders, Tyler Paulson, who's going to come and share a couple things. And then another one of our elders, Bob Nowak, is going to come and share a couple of things. But I want you to know, this, I feel like this is a really important, a really exciting moment in the life of our church. And what I, what I want to do this morning is I'm going to give you the highlights of this position paper, but then I'm going to tell you where to go today after worship. So this statement will be on our webpage with a cover letter that you can read. And we want everyone in our church to go and read this position statement because it's really important. But for our purposes this morning, I'm going to sort of do a flyover and then trust that you'll go read the rest of the statement. And I'm going to do a flyover over kind of three of probably the the, the highest sort of, sort of categories or themes in that position statement. And those categories are pastors, elders, and preaching, which is just the word we use to describe what's happening right now. That moment in the worship service as the church is gathered where we open the scriptures and we teach and preach. So pastors, elders, and preaching. So let me take you through those categories. Pastors. Here's what I want you to know. In the New Testament, the term pastor is most often used as a verb. It's a verb that describes an activity. It's a ver verb that describes something that people do. It's a spiritual gift, and that gift is the gift of pastoring, or the other word we would use is shepherding, which is why in Ephesians 4, verse 11, Paul uses the word 
shepherd. It's an activity. It's that person who guides and protects and feeds the flock. That's why the gift of pastoring is so closely connected in this list to the gift of teaching. Good pastors are always feeding. They're feeding the flock. As such, pastor is not primarily a title or an office. It is a gift and a function. But in our church, we use the term pastor to describe some of our leaders, whether men or women, who shepherd a part of the flock or a ministry within the church. That's how we use the term pastor. So when I came to River West in 2006, I was 14 years old. No, I was, I came to, in 2006, I can't, I'll be coming up on 20 years. I cannot believe it. But when I came to River West, I was given the position of pastor of community life. And then over the years, I, my, my, my position changed and, and now I'm the lead pastor. When Mary Ann came to our church almost eight years ago now, she was given the title pastor of women, the women's ministry pastor. When Jeff Spiegel came to our church, we gave him the title student ministry pastor. We have a worship pastor. We have a family life pastor. And all of those pastors carry out their shepherding ministry under the authority of the elders. So that brings me to my, my, sep- my second category, elders. In the New Testament, there are two terms that are used interchangeably, elders and overseers. And you'll find all the texts in our position statement, but I'll just give you the flyover. Elders and overseers. And these terms are used in the New Testament to describe the primary spiritual leaders of the church. So I'll put one verse up. Here's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, where Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. And then down in verse 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering, or that could be lording, not lording over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We have two words, elders and over. Elders is probably meant to indicate that these, leader, these should be mature leaders. So if you go to the New Testament, there are all these lists in the New Testament that have all of these requirements that are used to choose elders. They are to be above reproach. They are to be the husband of one wife, which means they're supposed to be men who have a, a reputation of being faithful in their marriage. They should be, have a good reputation, able to teach. They need to be mature but also overseers is an indication that they are, they're responsible for leadership. So in the local church, when you read the scriptures, the elders guide the flock through ministry of prayer, through guarding the doctrine of the church, protecting the safety of the church, protecting the church from threats, overseeing the financial health of the church, the vision of the church. And we find ample biblical evidence that God's design is for qualified men to serve in this position and to express spiritual oversight in loving servant leadership. Not lording it over the flock, as Peter said, but imitating the humble servant leadership of Jesus Christ himself. 
the elders of River West Church feel the immense calling and the humble privilege of serving this precious church family. I've sat in a prayer meeting at the coast with hundreds of prayer cards with a team of elders as the whole team has wept as we prayed for every member of the church by name and we feel the immense, humble calling to lovingly shepherd the church. And that brings me finally to category number three, preaching. And on on this one, I'm going to read directly from our position statement because this is the one where there's some change. Here's what it says. The ministry of preaching the word to the gathered church falls under the oversight of the elders with special direction and leadership from the lead pastor. Every member of the preaching team is accountable to the elders and the senior pastor for both doctrine, that is faithfulness to scripture and character. We find ample biblical evidence of women exercising their gifts of teaching, prophecy, and leading in public prayer. Therefore, qualified and gifted male and female pastors can serve on the preaching team at River West Church. And this represents a significant change in our position. And we recognize that. It represents a significant change. It represents a change that, as a leadership team, we are extremely excited about. We feel like God has led us in this direction. But it also represents a change that we recognize will be met in our church family with different responses. Some people in our church are glad to hear this. Some people in our church may be confused by this. Some people may feel disrupted by this. There are people in our church who will say, I read my Bible and I've come to a different conclusion. And to that we say, welcome to the club. You know, we, we've, we've read our Bibles and there, there is so much going on in the scriptures around this issue. And there's lots of diversity even on our leadership team. Tyler Paulson's gonna share more about that. Some people have come to a position about things like this because they've studied the scriptures and, and they feel like they have clarity on it. Many people have come to a position on things like this simply because of what they just think makes sense or what the culture tells them. But what, what I love about the process that we've been on is we've come to our position through God's word and God's word alone. Now, you may have questions. You may have concerns. You may have texts. We're like, what about this text? What about that text? And we recognize that. And so what we have done, we've done a couple things. Bob Noack's gonna talk more about this in a moment. We have created a forum that we're gonna host on Friday evening, March 5th. I'd love for you to write this down. It's gonna be right here in our sanctuary in person and we'll also live stream it where we're gonna be here. The pastors and the elders will be here. And we've also invited a dear friend of ours, Dr. Gary Brashears from Western Seminary, who's gonna come and he's gonna help us a little bit with that too and we'll grill him. And uh, we're gonna open the scriptures together and reason. So if you, have, if you wanna learn, if this sounds new to you, if you're, if you're confused or you have questions, please come on March 5th and join us for that. 
I want to say one last thing, and then I'm going to have Tyler come up. There are two words that are used anytime you talk about this conversation, and they're used commonly in the church. I'm going to put these words on the screen. Some of you are going to immediately recognize these words. Some of you are going to go, is that English or is that Greek? I don't know, but it's fine. If you don't recognize these words, if you've never heard these words, if you leave and you never say these words again for the rest of your life, it's totally okay. But what I want to do is I just want to unpack them for you a little bit and tell you how they're helpful and unhelpful. And the words are egalitarian and complementarian. And those two words sort of represent the two sides of this debate. At a very basic, basic level, the word egalitarian describes those who believe that there's no biblical limitations for any position in the church based on gender. It's a very basic, and it's probably too basic. There's lots of, lots of variety and nuance in that. And the term complementarian is used to describe those who believe that men and women are equal in worth, but that God has created role differences that limit women from some ministry positions. And that's sort of the two sides of the issue. And here's what I've noticed over the years. The first thing I've noticed is that those two words, they too often, what they actually describe is a, is a mean-spirited debate in the church. It sort of breaks my heart. And in fact, one of the things that happens is people on sort of a spectrum between those two words can tend to move towards extremes and then, and then turn and fight with one another. So on both ends of this, over on the complementarian side, there can be extreme versions of this. Some extreme versions of complementarianism have overemphasized topics like authority or power when the overwhelming emphasis of the New Testament is on loving, self-sacrificial leadership imitated after Jesus Christ. It's not about authority. It's not about power. It's about a humble, sacrificial leadership where, where people lay down their lives. Paul said, what did Paul say to husbands? He said, husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Peter said to the elders, he said, yes, exercise spiritual oversight, but don't do it in a domineering way. Do it, imitate Jesus. Lay down your lives, humbly serve. And then on the other extreme, on the egalitarian extreme, some versions of egalitarianism have overemphasized things like individual rights or equality when the overwhelming emphasis of, in the New Testament is on oneness and the beauty of unity through the mutual upbuilding of the body through varied gifts and complementary roles. And then what happens is in these two extremes, they will turn sometimes and they will unfairly caricature one another. So I've heard complementarians say to egalitarians, the only possible reason you could be an egalitarian is because you're loose with the Bible or you're caving into cultural pressure, pressure and that's not fair. And it's usually not correct. 
And I've heard egalitarians say of complementarians, the only reason you're a complementarian, it must surely be because you're a chauvinist or because you want to encourage the, you know, you want to encourage the lowering of women or you are encouraging domestic abuse. And that's not fair. And it's not accurate. And here's what, here's what I want to say to you about River West Church. We have not and we will never allow this conversation to devolve to that kind of name-calling or pitting against one another. I'm so proud of the way we've had this conversation because it's been godly and gentle where we've listened to one another. And so it's my great joy to have one of our elders come up, Tyler Paulson, who is truly one of my very best friends, and he's going to come. And uh, as he comes, I'm going to say one last thing. I'm going to go back to a phrase in, our, in, that, in that statement that I just want to make sure that I, I draw your attention to, and then Tyler, you can come. The phrase says this, uh, therefore, qualified and gifted male and female pastors can serve on the preaching rotation. And here's what I'd like to say to you. Did you know that we have one of the most qualified and gifted probably the most qualified and gifted female pastor, I'm going to argue, in the entire United States of America. She is gifted. She's biblically astute. She's godly. She's mature. She's talented. She's articulate. She's wise. She's one of my best friends. And I admire her so much. And Marianne Noack is going to join the preaching team at our church. So, yeah. I love him. So, Tyler, are you coming? Yeah. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, as, uh, as Adam said, my name is Tyler Paulson, and I'm an elder here at River West Church, and I'm, I'm really humbled to serve and humbled to be here with you guys today. Uh, what my primary goal for the next few minutes is really to explain to you guys where we've been, where we are now, and where we're going uh, as a church uh, from, from the Elder Board's perspective, just to kind of round it out on a big picture. So Adam highlighted where we've been has been literally over just about a two-year process, turning first and foremost to scripture, to lots of prayer, to reading different position statements, to hearing from outside influences, taking in their input, to collaborating with our pastors on staff and hearing their voices and input. And it's really just been a beautiful process of, of really just learning and growing together. Um, I'll, I'll tell you though, in complete honesty, in the beginning of this journey, we were far from on the same page. We really were. This, this, uh, this issue has a broad spectrum, as Pastor Adam said, and we, we had different elders on definite uh, different ends of the spectrum and, and everywhere in between. And it led to some very spirited de- debates. It, it really did, which was a great thing and helped really refine us. But there was a lot of debating that was done. So like everything we try to do in this church, our first approach, first and foremost, was to go to the scripture. We knew there was some haziness, and we needed always to go to the scripture first and foremost. So that's what we did. The Bible has been our guiding source throughout this process, and we are completely committed to the integrity of the scripture and the word. And if you 
forget anything else I'm saying, <laughs> that's probably the highlight of it, is really the Bible has been and will continue to be our guiding source. Um, as we study the scripture and we get into the word, we, it's very clear that there are definite issues that are black and white, and then there are definitely issues that are debatable. And it is very evident that this is one of those issues that is debatable. Uh, in fact, as we read many books and position statements from amazing biblical scholars who have spent their lives studying this issue, we found that there were amazing men and women on both sides of this spectrum. Um, but it was, and, and I want to tell you, as we read it and studied it, we approached it with a heart of wanting to have complete respect for these different perspectives. And it was through understanding and learning from these different perspectives that we really helped challenge our thinking and our learning and really helped us to grow. And so over this two years, that on a big picture is what has helped refine us as we've grown to the position that we are today. So leads us to where we are today is exactly what Pastor Adam said, at the end of this two-year journey, we have landed on this position of women in leadership that Pastor Adam outlined. And as a board, I want to let all of you know that we are completely united in this position of having uh, women preach from the pulpit. And we are thrilled, thrilled to have Pastor Marianne uh, represent River West Church and women. Um, as you all know, who have heard her uh, speak and preach to women. She has an incredible, incredible gifting. We love her, support her. And again, I just want you to know how united we are in our complete support for her. Um, so then, where we move on for today, or move on in the future, is basically we want to continue to move forward in a humble obedience to the Lord. That's our goal, is to continue to pray, turn to scripture, and move forward and see what the Lord has in store. We're super, super excited to see how the Lord uses this position, uses this stance for greater ministry in our community. And we absolutely know and are excited to see what doors God opens, because it's, it's going to be awesome. And we're excited for that future. To kind of highlight and close out that thought of where we're going and where we believe the Lord is going to take this in the future. I just want to share a brief conversation um, that that a number of us had a few days ago uh, that just so beautifully, I believe, illustrates where we are and where we're going and where we believe God is going with this change in position. A few days ago, we had a very similar conversation going over all these details, a Zoom meeting with our elders, our staff, and our pastors. And one of our uh, female uh, females on staff spoke and shared her thoughts. And then at the end of it, she, she, uh, she stopped and she said, you know, everyone, I am just so excited to get off this Zoom call and call my college-aged daughter and explain to her the position that River West Church has come to and to help her, most importantly, gain more biblical clarity into what Scripture says about women. And I can say as a father of a daughter with amazing giftings just how, how much that touches my heart. And I know a lot of you can relate because that really is our hope moving forward moving forward is that our younger girls and women of all ages will be empowered, will be inspired to use their God-given gifts for his glory. 
And really, that's what it's about. And we're excited to see how the Lord uses this. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for this time. On that note, I'm going to turn this over to my dear friend and uh, fellow elder, Bob Nowak. Thanks, Father. <sighs> Hello. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, you can hear me, yeah? Um, so I, uh, Tyler, kind of wanted to take you through the process. And what I'd like to do is um, really address, you know, we're not changing how we view elders in this church. We're not changing how we view pastors, but we are changing who goes on the preaching rotation. And that's a very visible change, right? It's something you'll see every Sunday, not every Sunday, but uh, many Sundays up here when you come and uh, a woman preaches. And so a couple of things I want to uh, talk about in how you might respond. Um, and I want to talk about unity versus the opposite of that division. And I want to talk about communication and the opposite of that, which is isolation. And so on the issue of, of unity, I want us to focus on what brings us together. This is what we did in our the, the process that Tyler shared in our uh, elder team. There are these fundamentals that are so foundational to us, the gospel, that Jesus lived perfectly, died, was resurrected, ascended to heaven, and, and rules and reigns at the right hand of the Father, you know, that he's our Lord. How we come to faith. These are sort of the fundamentals of um of what of our foundation uh, as a church, and those are profound and so important that um, we can have a broad diversity of thought uh, with that foundation. In fact, it gives us the opportunity to talk about many, many things. But having um, a conversation within the unity of those things um, it requires courage and love and wisdom to talk about things that, you know, we may disagree on. Um, I think it, it requires prayerful pursuit of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, toward each other. Things we don't see so much in the world, but that we have to exhibit to each other. A diligent, as, as Tyler made clear, a diligent diving into scripture together, which I'm so looking forward to Friday night with Dr. Brashears because we'll dive in. And if you've ever been in a meeting with Gary Brashears, it's wonderful how he, dan I, I call it a dance, but to use the word so effectively as he does, you'll enjoy that. Um, uh, there's there's got to be a strong commitment to the church to love the bride of Christ the way that God does, you know, to give his life for us as he did, as Jesus did, to love each other, each and every brother and sister, even and especially those that view things differently than you. It, it'll be so important for us to do that. And so in the church, you know, we don't speak about those Democrats or those Republicans, those liberals and those conservatives, those we don't talk about those rich, those poor, those men, those women, because one of those is sitting next to you in church. We talk about what brings us together, what we agree upon, what, and, and we can talk about those things with um, greater commonality. Um, el el our elders, as, as Tyler mentioned, have divergent views. You know, we are not unanimous in our approach to this, but we have come to a unity on these issues, the issues that, that Adam described, that we are you're unified on that, and we're hoping that you'll join us uh, in, in that um, position. Uh, we, 
We, by the way, uh, came to this unified position, as Tyler said, with a lot of debate. And we don't want and, or expect you to come to um, the, uh, a position on this, any position on this, without some uh, communication, without some debate. You know, we did it in community. We, we studied on our own. We read books. But we came together and we had a vigorous conversation. And we want that conversation to continue. We want to invite you into it. So two things on the topic of conversation. One, we've developed a, 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 a web address, riverwestrwelders.org. So that if you have questions on this, you want to enter into dialogue, just write us there. We uh, had a prior meeting where uh, a buddy of mine wrote. It was a pretty long email. And so now uh, we're going we're gonna to get together and open the word together. We're willing to do that with anybody, you know, to, to have dialogue. So rwelders at riverwest.org. That's one avenue of communication for you. Express yourself. Tell us what you think, what you feel, what your cautions are, what gives you pause. Uh, or if you're uh, just geeked about this, tell us that too. Um, the second area of communication is going to be uh, the meeting that we have with Dr. Uh, Gary Bashir is here. And again, that's just going to be a wonderful time, I think, as a body together. And it's open game, you know, just to come and say, hey, this scripture says that. How can this say that and you have this position? That's a fair question, and we'll, we want to discuss those kinds of questions together. So that's uh, March 5th. I want to just close with um, a quote from Jesus' prayer for us. If you go to John 17, don't go there, but uh, it's the high priestly prayer. And Jesus says, I pray that they be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. This is phenomenal. He's linking the actual Trinity to our unity. It's profound. And then he's linking our unity to our mission. You know, that if, if, if we represent as, as unified, then the world will believe the message of the gospel. It's a profound responsibility. And so don't take this lightly. Uh, you know, enter into um, communion and unity and I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and I'm just going to say a short prayer for us and then we'll, we'll worship together. Father, we are so grateful and humbled at the cost of our unity. It's the very body and blood of Christ. Uh, and so we're grateful, Lord, um, for what he died for, to draw us together, to draw us to you. And so we praise you for that and we pray that we would be a responsible body. Oh Lord, would you make us worshipers? Would you help us to recognize the wisdom that's in your word, the wisdom that is in your Holy Spirit to, to correct and convict, to counsel uh, us? And so we give ourselves to you, Lord. Would you um, renew our minds? Would you align us with your will? Would you make us the body of Christ uh, unified for your glory. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.